0: Hey, guys, Kelsey Klein, director of the Taylor Gooch Foundation, kind of a jack of all trades in the past, former golfer, golf coach, caddy the tour, coach college golf at Oklahoma Christian. Chatted with Wong here about many different topics, a lot of them obvious, a lot of them non-obvious. I hope you enjoy the time. And uh, if there's anything I can do to help, please reach out. Thank you for tuning into Defining Moments Podcast.
1: This episode is brought to you by CMM Financial Services. At CMM, we know how hard it is to find someone who knows and cares enough to create the tax and wealth plan that you deserve. After walking alongside hundreds of clients for the past 20 years with accounting, bookkeeping, tax strategy, and financial planning, we have created a proven system to help you reach your financial goals. CMM has your complete financial team to reach your financial goals. Book a call at cmmfinancialservices.com. Welcome back to the Undefeated Show, Defining Moments Podcast. We're located at the Triple B in OKC in Kyle Golding's beautiful studio. Today's very special guest is the Executive Director for the Taylor Gooch Foundation, the manager for Taylor Gooch, former manager for Sam Bradford, National Championship (laughs) coach, played golf at the University of Oklahoma, Kelsey Klein, welcome
0: to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely, you. you. bet. I feel unaccomplished like with that intro.
1: <laughs> but anyways, here's a gift for you.
0: Oh, thanks so I'll much. Out box
1: later for you. Thank yeah. you.
0: Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how's your morning been? It's been great. Got a workout in. Probably needed to stay longer, you yeah. know, which is the normal story. But uh, we're doing an event with the foundation, partnering with the AJGA, which is American Junior Golf Association. Tournament's going to be at Galardia Country Club in July, so I took a... a I say a meeting, we all know that means Zoom call. Uh, I didn't go to Georgia where they're located, but a Zoom call. uh, Came here to do the podcast, which, again, I appreciate it, and taking my son tonight to his first WWE event in Wichita. So I don't know who's more excited, him or me, but um, it's going to be a great night. So are you a big WWE fan? Uh, Absolutely. It's kind of full circle. My son's just over four. I probably started watching, you know, uh, we call it, it's called sports entertainment now. Okay, uh, is the proper term. So I started watching sports entertainment probably when I was about the same age, and so he's been watching it with me. I would say uh, about the last year. So it's a full circle. It be it might be a little emotional tonight when we get there. I'll be yeah. taking some pictures of him. Um, I've got a couple of golfing buddies who are going to take their daughters and one son are coming. So it's a group deal. We'll have some pizza prior, which you know everyone loves pizza. Um, <laughs> but a special day for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we share a common friend, Lance Maxwell, Mm -hmm. good friend of
0: mine. We used to live across the street from each other, so thank you for the introduction, Lance. Appreciate it. Yep, yep. I've known Lance uh, since he was probably 12. When I was a player at Oklahoma on the golf team, we did a golf camp every June, and Lance came to it. You know, he's out of the Dallas area, and so I've known Lance. You know, God, he's 12, so I would have probably been, when we met, 18 or 19 at the Mm -hmm. time, being a counselor, and now, you know, still see each other, talk family, kids, of course, golf at Belmar. So, uh, yeah, Lance, thanks for the intro. That's awesome.
1: So let's talk through your life. And we can talk when you're younger, your passion for golf, because you did play at OU, then you coached, sure. and you managed Sam Bradford, and now you're managing and Taylor. And there's so much to unpack. So let's go dive into it.
0: At a young age... Growing up, I grew up out in Mustang. You know, some of the listeners may remember uh, Westbury Country Club out off Morgan Road, which is where I grew up. Thankfully, my dad moved from Ponca City in 1985. So I would have been second grade. And, and, you know, we get here. He moved a little bit before us. He was in the heat and air business and sales. And, you know, we moved to a, a housing addition with a golf course. So what am I at that time? Six, seven, eight years old. You know, my hero was Brian Bosworth. I had the haircut, the whole deal. And like like most kids back then, I wanted to play quarterback at OU, which was the dream or the goal. So as I moved through, you know, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, I actually played quarterback in 7th and 8th grade. We never won a game with me starting. Um, that's not the point. So, But the second year of, of uh, middle school football, I went back. I'll never forget. I tell people, went back to throw a pass. What looked like to me about a 28-year-old 8th grader from Choctaw hit me so hard, I went down and broke a wrist, which... Uh, I later told Sam years later that it stunted my growth, it stunted my talent, <laughs> it kept me you know, short and fat, so the dream of playing quarterback at OU was over, and so I had a cast for a number of months, um, and, and played basketball in middle school as well, so I thought, well I'm going to get to OU playing basketball. Well, um, for a lot of reasons, you know, physically and mentally and talent wise, that wasn't going to be the case, and growing up out at Westbury turned out to be a huge blessing for a number of reasons from the golf standpoint. You know, it was accessible. It was there. My dad played golf back in those years. I was around a lot of guys that were older. And as, you know, a, a kid that grew up playing sports, you know, I was competitive and I would always hang out with the older guys. Getting beat all the time started to get to me. So after ninth grade, I quit basketball because um, I wasn't very good. I could shoot, but I couldn't play basketball very well. And maybe the shooting part with hand-eye, with golf, and maybe that was all, a, a you know, a, a fit. But I was like, I'm not going to get to OU playing basketball. I better quit everything and focus on golf. And I had some guys throughout those years, similarly that I've been able to do with with certain young people, athletes. You know, they helped me. They took me aside. Or um, I remember I had a real strange golf grip on the club. There was a gentleman named Jason Contreras that was older than me that played out at Westbury. I think his dad did as well. He was a golfer at OCU at the time. And he told me, he said, you're, you know, you're young and you're scrappy and you're, you're a good player. But if you don't change your grip, because it's very unfundamental, you know, guys that you're beating now are going to get better than you. You know, if you don't change this, it's going to limit your upside potential or your growth as a golfer. And so, you know, I went out and beat who knows how many golf balls to to change my grip. And, you know, I've always remembered that, you know, as, as a you know as a blessing that he gave me probably not knowing it he probably wouldn't remember it but I did because you know I had a lot of people in that at that time in Westbury whether it was guys who were older than me in high school guys who were in college or guys who just you know played golf who who were older that worked and had families but you know saw potential in me to pull me aside or hey come play with our group or you know jump into this game where you can win 50 bucks where there's some pressure or some some of those things when there's a little money on the line and so You know, growing up at a golf course definitely helped fuel that desire or that drive to get better at golf. Uh, And then being an OU fan, you know, honestly, mostly for the football side, like all young men were back then and and still are mostly, to get to OU playing golf, you know, for me was such a blessing and such a, you know, life-changing situation. Yes, the golf was great, the travel, you know, the clothes, all the neat stuff that you get, but looking back on it, you know, the relationships that got built, um, the lessons that I learned and the situations that I got put in, some good and some bad, mm-hmm. you know, to learn from those things, looking back on it, you know, let's call it, golly, 25 years plus now. Uh, that's crazy to say. Uh, feels like a lifetime ago. But to get there, you know, there's there's nothing that I could do to repay golf or to repay, you know, those people that that helped me to get to OU to play golf other than doing what i'm doing now is to help you Mm -hmm. know use what i've learned and use those situations both good and bad to help people coming up whether it's you know people my similar age or or younger people whether it's a golfer or somebody in a different sport to help so Mm -hmm. um i hope that answered the question yeah um so yeah
1: yeah so the progression from you playing
0: at ou to you coaching. Let's hear about your coaching skills here, Coach. Okay, so um, 2008 Coach David Lynn, who's currently at Oklahoma Christian uh, as the athletic director and the men's golf coach, who I took over for for two years at Oklahoma Christian when it was NAIA, and then he took back over for me, and he's been there since. Um, David and I have a beautiful friendship um, of support, golf, food, talk, you know, because he, he was there nine years before me. I was there for two years. And then he's been there, um, let's see, the fall of 2010 mm-hmm. till the present. Mm-hmm. Just lost the national championship in the finals of D2, which Oklahoma Christian's D2 now. Actually, they've been to the finals the last two years and very proud of his efforts. Coach of the year this year, a couple of All Americans. Um, he's doing a great job as the golf coach and the athletic director. Um, but getting to Oklahoma Christian in the fall of 08 you know looking back on it i can i can smile and and i hope all this comes out right because the obvious what you mentioned was well they won the national championship and did a good job and all all that was fantastic and and i really loved it for the the kids that i coached and the people i was around but i look back on it you know those two years for me as an individual you know i think i was 30ish right around 30 those two years helped me as a as a young man grow up and learn, and budget my time, and my energy, and being responsible for 10 to 15 college young men who are looking to me to answer every question, and when are we going, or where are we going, or what's what's next, what's next? Okay. The life of a coach, you know, I had, you know, lived kind of a carefree lifestyle in a sense of not a lot of responsibility before that, because it was just me, I wasn't married, uh, I didn't have kids, so I, I had to I went into that job after getting hired. Thankfully, Chuck White, who at the time was the um, interim AD and the baseball coach, Chuck White hired me, and I've told him thanks 200 times since. Uh, Chuck actually runs the field crew for the women's softball complex. Okay, uh, who do- obviously does a great job, and our Sooners got a yeah. another victory. You know, <laughs> three in a row, which, as we know these days, nobody wins two in a row, let alone three in a row. Absolutely. So Patty and her staff, I mean, hats off, um, unbelievable, but. You know, back to the coaching, you know, those two years at Oklahoma Christian, you know, the way it helped me grow up as a person and understand responsibility and structure and and budgeting time and money and all the things that a coach has to do when, you know, you're handed a laptop and a budget, you know, and you're like, all right, this is my deal now. I got to figure this out. You know, the golf part of it and, and helping the kids get better. Sorry, young men. Um, helping them get better and and teaching them things, whether it's mental or physical or, you know, strategy with golf. I wasn't worried about that Mm because that's all I'd done my whole life. Um, So I I wasn't nervous or anxious about that part of the job. But, you know, the what I would call the non-obvious of, you know, the admin side, scholarships, raising money, you know, budgeting, doing travel for the team. I was, you know, Julie Anderson was our, you know, was our uh, athletic department assistant at the time, treating me like a son help me more than she would ever know but there was a lot of those things that I was you know I was four or five different hats um, and so I learned a lot about myself and in, in growing and learning how to you know be a coach slash leader slash cheerleader slash father figure slash travel agent slash fundraiser you know a bunch of slashes there and, and meeting of the other coaches who had done it a long time you know coach Dan Hayes legend Mm-hmm. In the Oklahoma uh, basketball scene, I still text and talk with Coach Hayes to this day, one of the finest human beings that I know, very supportive of younger coaches of of basketball, of Oklahoma Christian, and obviously Coach Lynn, who's his son-in-law. Uh, David's married to, to Coach Hayes' uh, wife, Michelle. And so, you know, that two years as a coach, yes, I was a coach, and we did a good job, and we won a national championship, which is which was fantastic and very fortunate to do it, but what that did for me as a as a young man into a, a man now, and then going with Sam to St. Louis, and then um, being involved with Taylor's career and his path for the last twenty years. A lot of what I what I'm doing now, I learned lessons during that time. You know, from 2008 until you know 2021, mm-hmm. that have benefited me now as as in the job, um, as a father you know, as a husband, as a friend, and, and budgeting time better and, and being able to say no. Yeah. As we talked about earlier, Um, that's part of my job. That's part of a jo- the job of a father, too. I'm a social guy, you know, golf. But when you have a family, you know, there's uh, there's not time to do it all. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and our mutual friend Lance knows that as well. And, 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 and anybody who's a father, you know, sure. understands that. Hey, you don't come around as much. Or, hey, you don't golf as much. Or, hey, I don't sit... Well, you know, because there's a there's another priority that takes you away from that. And when I was a coach back to that, you know, for those two years, I kind of looked at it, you know, that, you know, that was my family. Those are those were my kids or those were my and I wanted to do a good job for them. You know, I didn't want to let them down. You know, we want to eat nice. We want to wear cool clothes. We want to go to good tournaments. You know, a couple of trips where we fly and and obviously the golf part of it. You know, I always knew if I I got a coaching job, the golf part of it would take care of itself. Mm -hmm. You know, if those young men would listen, because, you know, someone comes in and I had a playing career on in college and on the mini tours. It wasn't about me. It was about them. But I had credibility with them because I had done what they were hoping to do or what they were currently doing and been around and caddied the tour and played a little bit on the mini tours and a couple of PGA tour events. But the credibility that I had with those guys going, well, he's, you know, he's a good player and he's he's traveled the roads and he's been to OU, you know, it wasn't like, well, you know, who's this guy they hired? Yeah. You know, what's he know about what we're doing? And so the golf part of it, again, took care of itself. You know, I was in a unique situation with Sam and his college career that was taking place right during that. Uh, Obviously, he won the Heisman in the fall of 08 and, you know, blew up on the football scene, if you will. And OU was doing great with Coach Stoops and his staff. I mean, those years were awesome. We were spoiled as fans, you know. And I have no doubt that that sooner than later we'll get back to that with the current staff that they have hired. And you know, sports has peaks and valleys. Sure. You know, we were so spoiled with with Coach Stoops and Coach Riley and, and Coach Venables in a different roles. A part of a lot of that at the start, the success. Yeah. And as fans, you know, when when the when the when the when the rocket keeps going straight up, when there's a, a little bit of downturn, a little bit of a, you know rocky times, yeah. we we get spoiled, you know, mm-hmm. and. You know, everybody has their opinion, and all that stuff comes out. But, you know, as a whole, I mean, I think we're all, as fans, fortunate here in Oklahoma. No matter who you root for, our teams are, are always, you know, fairly good to great You know, across the board. Of course, mm-hmm. OU softball. Jeez. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I got off topic a little bit there, so I apologize. But, yeah, so coaching, like I said, it was – the obvious of it was I was a coach at Oklahoma Christian – I was there for two years, but what I learned as a as a human being and and at that time a young man was invaluable, yeah. you know. And Chuck White hiring me, uh, Curtis Jans was the AD, Coach Hayes and his knowledge and wisdom that did he helped. Coach Finley, who's now retired, who was there for as the women's coach forever. They took me under their wing because they knew that I knew some things. But I didn't know everything and I still don't, you know, don't don't get that twisted. Uh, I've been through a lot. I've been very blessed, but sometimes I'm winging it and I act like I know what I'm doing. And sometimes I actually know what I'm doing. And sometimes I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, But fortunately, I've I've been able to develop and keep a lot of great friendships over the years to where if I don't know, I I can pick up the phone and call a a friend, whether it be male or female that does. and say, Hey, I need help. I don't know, but I know you do, you know, and I'm not so um, proud or. You know, smart that I don't do that. You know what I mean. So uh, Lance knows I text him all the time about stocks and food and yeah, and those kinds of things. So whether. I keep I keep the golf secrets to myself because he's <laughs> he's improved his game a lot. So I don't yeah. want I don't want him beat me too often. So
1: yeah, well Lance, his yard is immaculate, right? perfect. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, whether it's his new home or the one across the street. So I was like, oh, I see Lance's yard. I'm like, okay, well I got to step up my game. Hey, who do you use? Jason Ferris at the time. It's like, oh yeah. yeah yeah, I'm gonna use him too. Yeah. And he does a football field, at OU uh-huh. and all this stuff I owe you. So, yep. I'll, I'm curious about your coaching, recruiting. So, when you
0: go and recruit these athletes, whoa, what do you tell them? So, at Oklahoma Christian, it was a little bit unique in the fact that at the time it was in AIA. And when I got there, we had a pretty good mix of um, foreign and American players. Okay. But the way, you know the way it kind of works on the golf side with, with I'd say the foreign kids or the foreign pipeline. Um, you know, if you have a couple of players from two different countries and you're doing a good job and you're treating them right and you're and you're doing right by those young men, well they're gonna tell their buddies back home, yeah. hey, you know, hey, you need to come here, or you need to take a visit and check out Oklahoma Christian or or, you know, for a different coach, or wherever that may be. And so, you know, the overseas recruiting, there's no real handbook to it. Um, if you if you're able to get a couple of kids that are that are from other countries and you do a good job, and we've seen if you look at the landscape of college golf, you know, from when I played, call it early 2000 until now, you know, the foreign player is much more prevalent. Um, I know the number one kid in the country uh, out of Texas Tech. Um, I believe it's Ludwig Aberg. You know, just finished tied for 25th in his pro, first pro event in Canada. You know, well, obviously, I can't remember where he's from. He obviously he's not from Texas. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, different different manners of of, of I would call it a pipeline of of foreign kids that are able to be recruited, you know, maybe you get one, maybe you have an assistant that, that played college golf and you hire an assistant, let's say from Sweden. And, and he has, you know, he has connections to younger kids or their parents or their swing coaches back in Sweden. You might get a pipeline of kids coming from Sweden coach at Arkansas, coach McMakin who played at Oklahoma before me um, has had a great pipeline out of Mexico you know, and, and a number of of young men and, and women have come to that Arkansas program that have been great. Maria Fossey, the one on the women's side, mm-hmm. uh, Gabby Lopez, another. But you know, Oklahoma-wise, back then when I was recruiting, it's funny. My friends that were coaches at, at the D1 and D2 level at that time, they had a lot of rules and restrictions, and yeah, I I could pretty much do whatever I wanted. I could go to a tournament, and at the time, if I'm recruiting Taylor, you know, he's playing at uh, you know Jimmy Austin at a. a JGT event. I can talk to him. I could talk to his parents, and all the D1 coaches couldn't do that. Yeah, you know, so they would give me a hard time, but I wouldn't break any rules. I was following the NAIA rules, but sure. you know, from that standpoint, the one thing I learned back then is we, you know, Coach Lynn had done a great job, and I was in a great position as far as the past at Oklahoma Christian. They had been very good at the time. We were a little bit more, you know, foreign player heavy, and I wanted to sign somebody from from Oklahoma. And so when I first got the job, you know, I knew we needed to raise money so we could eat right and get nice clothes. Um, But I also wanted to, you know, recruit kids from Oklahoma. Well, at the time, you know, Taylor was in that recruiting process. Ian Davis, who went on to play at OSU, was in that recruiting process. Uh, Hunter Sparks was in that recruiting process, who went to Wichita State out of Putnam City original, I believe. Young man Kyle Lewis, who passed away, unfortunately, a few years back um, while driving home from a golf tournament, I recruited him, and boy, I wanted him bad. I'd have given him two scholarships. Um, (laughs) His sister was Oklahoma Christian at the time, um, and he had signed to go with OU, and unfortunately, in a a, a car accident, passed on. And so I knew I couldn't probably sign those guys who were going to, I say very easily, be D1 prospects. But what I did is I kind of looked at the landscape and said, okay, who can I go after? You know, who's a full ride really going to matter to or, or a half of a scholarship or, you know, location or proximity to family or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, whose game might fit the NAIA level a little better? And, and I was able to sign a young man named Logan Herbst. Uh, we still keep in touch. He actually came to Live Tulsa event with his wife and, and kid um, in May, and we got to catch up a little bit. But he was from Fairview, Oklahoma. He was very good, um, very talented But for a lot of reasons, Oklahoma Christian was a good fit for him. And so he he called me. He was the first uh, recruit that I got a commitment from. I'll never forget. I was eating at at Payway in Norman. And Logan called me and said, hey, coach, I want to come to Oklahoma Christian. And obviously he went on to have a great career. Let's see, won a national championship or two with with, with those teams. And I had him for one year. Uh, He wasn't there my first year. He was there the second year. And we like I said, we've still stayed in touch. We'll call it 10, 12 years later. And the fact that, that... former players still reach out or call or text and, you know, ask for advice or how's the family doing? You know, that means a lot. It probably means more than any of it um, because, you know, you made somewhat of a lasting impression on them. The recruiting, the recruiting though, like I said, some of those names I mentioned, they all went on to play D1 golf. There was a couple of young men that I tried to recruit that I couldn't quite get over the hurdle of, well, coach, I know you guys are a good program and I have no doubt, but I want to play D1. Yeah. You know and so those those hurdles were yeah. there's nothing really I could I could say or do to change their mind on that you know they were gonna have to go and figure out if they're if they were gonna put the work in to be able to play at the d1 level and then if not transfer or just write it out and be happy to be at school and be on the team you know it's you know everybody's past different so I didn't hold it against them or um, consider it a negative like oh our you know they don't want to come here. The fact that it's D one and it's bigger, better, brighter, I guess, is an easy way to say it. You know, that was just part of it. So yeah. I didn't, I didn't ever really look at it as a negative. It was just part of the situation that I was in. You know, if a kid came to cho- chose to come to Oklahoma Christian and play, uh, I knew I would treat him right. I know I would treat him just like a son. They'd be taken care of. And and golf wise, if they put the work in, they would get better. Yeah. You know, because my whole life had been golf, and the knowledge and the, and the experience that I had gained through playing and caddying and, and just being around. The game so closely, I knew I was going to be able to help on that aspect. So yeah. uh, we couldn't get them all, though. We couldn't sign them all.
1: Yeah. When that last uh, ball fell into the cup
0: and you officially had won the national championship as a team and as a coach, how'd that feel? You know, our as you know, we have five guys that play. Yeah. Our our final player was his name is Axel Ochoa. Um, he's actually the head coach at. I'm going to mess it up. West Texas, A&M, which is in Amarillo. He's married, his college sweetheart, three daughters, I believe, and he's a coach now, which I I smile about. But (laughs) he was putting out on 18, and I already knew that we were going to win. I don't think his score was going to count that last round. And so he had a putt left, but he came over to me on the side of the green at TPC at Deer (laughs) Run, where they still play the John Deere Classic. Uh, The OCU women just finished third there. Uh, and freshman Michaela Terrell finished first. She won the national mm-hmm. championship as an individual. Hats off to her if she if she hears this. And he he said, "Are we going to win?" And I said, "Yeah, we won." And he, his smile, like I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> his smile was so big. Obviously, he knew that his round wasn't going to count that day. So obviously, it was a team effort. But I'll never forget. He just he just broke out in this huge smile. So yeah. um, we had a nice meal that night. I think we had I think we had hibachi type meal <laughs> uh, for the NAIA level. It was nice, which <laughs> You know, with me, it goes back to food a lot of the times. Yeah. But um, I've got a picture of, of those guys and myself in my office now. I have a lot of a lot of memorabilia and memories and whatnot. But I've got a a picture that has the ring and a picture of us uh, in it with a plate and the scores and all that. So I look back on that stuff so fondly for the obvious reasons of winning and and your hard work pays off. And like I said, competition and the other coaches that I met and. The other players that I met, but at the same time, like I said, it just helped me grow so much as a person and I needed it. I probably needed Oklahoma Christian more than it needed me at the time, whether I realized it then or, or whether they did, whether Chuck did, who hired me, or Curtis Jans, who was the ad at the time. you know I, I needed that job for for all good reasons. and like I said, it really helped me grow up and understand you yeah. know to, to have responsibility to take care of 10 or 15 young men who are depending on you every day. At first, you know, I think the first month of that job, thinking about everything, I don't know if I slept much. (laughs) Did I remember this? Did I order that? What are we going to do about this? But it really, really, really helped me. And I can't thank Oklahoma Christian enough and and, and the staff that was there at the time, some of them still there, you know, with the school uh, for what it did for me. And now my family and the people that I work with or around, you know, all that benefited you know, my last 15 years of life. Yeah. And so for that, I'm very thankful.
1: Yeah. And and earlier you you talk about Sam and St. Louis, you're talking about Sam Bradford. What was it like managing being the manager for Sam Bradford?
0: You know, um, one, it was a fantastic time in my life. Not something that I ever planned for or, um, thought I would, thought I would do. Um, I knew at that time that, that it was the right thing for me to do. Um, so that would have been let's see this uh, june of 2010 so he got drafted obviously to St. Louis i finished up my second year of coaching in Oklahoma Christian i tell my friends hey we finished second the second year that wasn't good enough they showed me the door to get on out of here you know you didn't no i'm kidding that yeah. but i I knew, I knew you know months prior to to stepping down from the job and moving to St. Louis where i knew nobody I knew that I was going to go with Sam and help him and just be an asset to his path and his life. We had met years, years prior through family. And, and when we were young, young, he was very young and I was, you know, much younger. And so, you know, I knew that it was a once in a lifetime opportunity for someone that I, to help someone I cared about, um, very unique situation, if you will. And thankfully, as we all know, Sam's a very low maintenance, low key guy. Mm -hmm. Um, I have people ask me all the time, you know, about him and, you know he's a father of three now, and I understand that. And he's living his life and doing his thing. I'm very proud of him and his wife Emma, um, who we met through golf. In fact, that's a that's a whole other story. What we hear about in the news and the sports media and the social today, and most of the time, is all the bad stuff or all mm-hmm. the unfortunate events that happen to athletes. Um, and it is unfortunate, you know. And there's a lot that goes on, and a lot of the the social and the videos and all the stuff that goes on and You know, fortunately, you know, Sam was never that type of athlete, never that type of individual. We were like minded in that, you know, handle your business, treat people right, you know, be humble, be fortunate uh, or or thankful for what you've been given. You know, one thing about Sam, I'll never forget. I think I might have said this on a on a podcast or an interview in the past. But one of the things I remember about Sam through college and into the pros is that if he met you, he would introduce himself, say, hey, I'm Sam Bradford. And most people will go, yeah, hey, I know who you are but sam never expected anybody to know who he was because he played football or was good at something mm-hmm. and so he had a respect level for people and a humbleness about him that that i learned from and that i that i agreed with or identified with and he you know he showed that time and time again that he just didn't expect things because he was an athlete you yeah. know he was patient you know we didn't wait too long at restaurants in st louis because of the chaos but yeah. if we had to wait a little bit you know he he wasn't the guy that made a scene you sure. know and that's that comes from good parenting, the way he was brought up, good coaching at, at Oklahoma, and just a, a guy that had been given a lot, and you know, um, but understood that you know treating people the right way was very important, you yeah. know, at the top of the list. And so, you know, to pick up and move my life, step down from coaching, move to St. Louis where I knew nobody, which was strange for me growing up around here in golf. Right. You know, there was always something to do or somebody to eat with or somebody to play golf with. Um, you know, I would have only done that you know for someone who i agreed with or that i was on the same page with on how we were going to handle business or how we were going to treat people or 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 what we were going to do um one of the fortunate things from that you know time with Sam there but it was back here we partnered with St Jude or he did Sam never started a foundation but he wanted to help St Jude after visiting the the hospital in Memphis and i ran a golf tournament that was his name and their name in partnership for 6 years at, at oak tree national and they have a regional office here in oklahoma city and i worked with the their staff here all the money benefited saint jude and we did that for six years and so obviously a very worthy cause to help kids that are very much in need i learned a lot from it personally yeah. professionally relationships that i still have some of the guys that helped support that support our foundation and the taylor goodge foundation now and so it all kind of you know, fits together, if you will. I I look back on a a lot of things that I thought I was doing it for one reason, and it turned out that it would benefit something else. And, you know, um, there was no real handbook when I got to St. Louis. I just was there to help Sam uh, in whatever capacity needed. And and like I said, learn how to say no a little bit because that was part of the job. It helped me as well to, you know, be there for somebody to help their path, to help their career, similar to what I'm doing with Taylor now. But, you know, Doing it for somebody that you care about and that you're friends with, you know, it was very special. You know, I felt humbled and honored to do it, if you will, for Sam. I feel the same way with Taylor and his wife, Allie, with his career and with their foundation. And, and now being a father of two, you know, I, I tell people I look back on it and Taylor's mom will tell me all the time, like, I can't thank you enough for what you do for Taylor and the family and all those things. And I and I tell her. You know she paid me back in two thousand and two when I met Taylor by allowing me to be a part of his path yeah by allowing me to be involved in her child's life because I being a father now, I can understand how important that is and you're you you pick and choose or you you're very protective of of those of your children. Sam's parents let me do that at a at a, at a um older age, so it was a little bit different, but you know Taylor's mom is she tells me thank you a lot, but I tell her you know. There's no repayment needed. You let me be involved in your son's mm-hmm. life. So 20 years later, here we are. Yeah. And if you wouldn't have let me or, you know, taken that leap of faith or that, you know, maybe giving away a little control of, yeah. of that part of his, you know, young, young golf career in, in, in formidable years of a young man to allow me to do that, you know, I wouldn't be here. And yeah. so she, you know, I tell her, Amber, if you're listening, you said thank you a million <laughs> times. Thank you to you and Ron. So That's
1: awesome. Yeah.
0: Let's, let's talk about the Taylor Gooch Foundation. Sure. Yeah, give us some insight on that. Sure. So um, kind of backstory, how it all got started. And when Taylor won on the PGA Tour in the fall of 2021, the RSM Classic, there was some money earmarked for the winner to give to charity or to the foundation because of the win. And, and I had read about it, and I didn't say anything to Taylor after he won. And But when he came back shortly thereafter, uh, he said, hey, you know, this is the situation. There's this this amount of money to, to give out, RSM will give it out. Or if, you know, if I had a foundation, we could give it out here in Oklahoma, which is what I would want to do. He said, you know, Allie, his wife, we're thinking about doing a foundation. And I said, look, well, you know, I've always told him, if, if you want to do a foundation or you want to do an event that helps those less fortunate or kids, I'm in. care okay, if it's full-time or part-time or half-time or no time, I'll help you. And so, um But I said, if we're going to do a foundation, let's do it right. Let's do something that we can do long term where we can help as much as possible. We build it up. We give money out each year. We also save back some money for the endowment, which Mm -hmm. we all know how that works and why for the long term of the foundation. Um, And I said, but if not, if you don't want to do those things and put the time and efforts and some of your personal money in and, 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 you know, not knowing at the time that I would you know, uh, file into a full-time role and we'll get to that part. But I said, look, let's do it right or just give the money out. It's a great thing to do. Your career is, you know, you just won. You're doing great. We can talk about it in a year or two. And mm-hmm. he said, no, I want to, the money that they have earmarked, I want to bring that back to Oklahoma City. I want to give it out here. And, you know, through that next couple of months, you know, um, our CPA helped us form the, all the, the legal documents, yeah. all the 501c3. Um, and, and Taylor and Allie chose uh, Positive Tomorrows, which is a school for homeless kids here in the city. Hope is Alive and Lance Lang and his group, who are tireless. Uh, his wife, he and his wife, uh, run Hope is Alive, which is uh, sober living homes and drug and alcohol treatment. I'll mess it up, but five five hom- or five twenty-five homes in five states. So that's a full-time, full-time operation. And then the Oklahoma Junior Golf Tour, which is a subsidiary of the Oklahoma Golf Association, which is a five hundred one c three which Taylor grew up on, uh, we help those three groups as our the main three that we help. We did that last year in 2022 and again in 2023, adding the AJGA partnership and title sponsorship to have an event here at Galardia. And so, you know, whether it's directly to kids or with Hope is Alive, what, what we all know, if anybody's been touched by drugs and alcohol, I have personally through family. If we help their parents get back on their feet if, though, if, if Hope is Alive does, which, you know, our funds go to help many different things there, but if a kid gets his parent back or parents, plural, you know, we've helped that child maybe more than we could ever in just giving directly to the money. So they felt Hope is Alive was a great cause. I was in agreement with that. And so um, being able to help those three groups um, continually and then some other ones on a smaller level that, yeah. that, that, you know, we have some ask about and we're happy to do that. Um, it's been fantastic. You know, I've learned a lot. We just had our um, second annual pro-am in Tulsa at, at Cedar Ridge, you know, with the live golf situation and tournament being over there. Um, Cedar Ridge and, and, and live golf were nice enough to allow us to have our pro-am on site at the start of the week of live golf. So our, our supporters got to play the golf course with the build out and then stands and all the fancy, you know, tournament yeah. stuff was there. And yeah. so the, it went fantastic. Uh, we haven't quite closed out the tournament yet as far as exact dollar amounts, but I think we're going to come in in the gross amount, around $500,000 raised. Nice. Uh, a lot of support from his from his range goats team and local and guys who flew in from out, out of state. We can't say thank you enough. So that's the gist of the foundation. You know, if you have any specific questions, fire away. Okay.
1: Well, I have specific questions about you personally. You Earlier you mentioned about the trajectory of OU football and Coach Stoops and Venables and we're on this rocket ship as fans, and once it goes sideways a little bit, people will become negative. How do you deal with negativity personally?
0: You know, it's one of those things where, as we know, with, with social media now, you can get consumed. Like, you can, read, you can read 50 stories that are one opinion and 50 stories that are another opinion on the same topic, but they're different opinions, so you don't know what to believe. And so, for me, with you know, negativity of things, you have to realize that you know, you're not always going to please everybody that that's an unrealistic expectation going into any situation. It's like, if you know, we bring a cheese pizza and there's 50 people in the room, not everybody's going to love that cheese pizza, right? Yeah. That's just the nature of, you know, of, of that human nature. And so, you know, for me going through what I've gone through and, and learning the things, sometimes you just have to pick and choose some friends or, or acquaintances that you don't, you're not around them anymore, you know, and you have to be able to cut ties or move away from certain situations that, that are negative. Um, And that's been hard for me to do personally because, you know, I do care about people and I do care about the relationships I've built. But there's been some things in my life that have happened. And as we all have to where, you know, negativity can turn into a much bigger problem than maybe we realize if we're not able to offset it or cut it off or just get away from it. And so... Um, from the from the sports side of thing, whether it's Taylor or whether it's OU football or whatever it is, I mean, again, social media has given everybody a platform. Mm. They're going to voice their opinion. They're going to they're going they want you to listen to it. They want you to answer their questions and or whatever that situation may be. But in the end, it it, it doesn't really matter. Um, I hope that came out right because you know if if you're in a sport or you're in a job or you're in a relationship or you're in a friendship. And someone's negative about it, well, you can choose to continue to put the work in or put the time in or or all the things that it takes to build something that's successful and worthwhile and lasting. And whatever anybody says about it, you know, to let that affect or or creep into the fact of maybe I'm not doing the right thing, or maybe, you know, as a golfer, I should have hit driver on that hole where I laid up and all these people are complaining about it, you know, whatever that situation is. You know, uh, I'm a quote guy. You know, we all know the the quote man in the arena. Oh, yeah. You know, and I won't quote the whole thing. But, you know, there's, you know, when guys are out there from a sport level, which is kind of what we've been talking about, you know, it's easy to be, you know, Monday morning quarterback or, or peanut gallery golf guy to say that guy or this guy. But, you know, the guy who's actually doing it, you know, you never know what's going on in their life. You know, everybody has a life and, and, and things off the golf course. You know, and then on the golf course, you know, Is a guy struggling with money? Is a guy struggling with stress or family or a relationship? Or is there a death in the family? Or is a kid sick or whatever it may be? And so, you know, to put so much importance on sports, as we know we we do as a society. And again, with the social media, sports has always been so popular, but it's been elevated because of the conversations that take place, the videos, whether that's a good or bad thing on some things that, you know, as an example, this morning, uh, Nick Taylor won the Canadian Open the PGA Tour event. He's from Canada, grew up there. Beautiful story. And you're going to hear about the security guard tackling Adam, tackling Adam Hadwin on the green. He didn't know he was his best buddy. You know, there was video of the guy, Ray Lewis to Adam Hadwin into the green. And just as a clickbait or or likes or views, yeah. I've heard more about the tackle on Adam Hadwin than I have the, the young man who just won his home, his home country uh, event. And so yeah. I think that's a... Uh, for today, uh, uh, you know, a, um, a shining example of, you know, what are we doing this for, or what, what's really important here, you know, and the guys who are out there, no matter what the what the scene is, are putting in the work. You know, I respect that. I identify with it to a certain level. I understand from the golf space how hard it is um, to to win once, twice, three times, like we said, what, what Patty Gaslow and those those gals have done for three years to win three titles in a row. Think of any sport. When has that happened recently?
1: Yeah.
0: You know, Florida did it in basketball with Billy Donovan. What was that, 2010 11, probably? It's been a while. I mean, three in a row. I don't want to say it's impossible because, you know, our women's softball did it, but good grief. Yeah. Um, Sustained excellent commitment, you know, all the things that it takes to win one. You know, you see most teams win. And of course, with pro sports, when somebody wins, guys want to get paid or. You know their contracts are ending and stuff changes so much because that's the business of sport. You know golf's a little different because it's, you know, individual. But obviously with Live Golf, it's it's a team setup now, which I happen to really really enjoy the team aspect of it. You know all the news last week with the merger and, and, and golf and the PGA Tour and Live. You know no one knows all the specifics yet of like what it's going to look like moving forward and. A lot of calls and a lot of texts and it's great that people care and reach out. But yeah. I'm gonna wait a month, you know, I'm gonna guess in a monthish they're gonna hey, say so here they're gonna release what that, you know, the next step's gonna look like or what the setup's gonna look like and then, you know, go from there. But I'm a golf fan at heart. Um I've met a lot of those guys along the way and root for guys I played college golf with, uh, and then guys through my coaching career or because of coaching friends of mine, guys that played for them and you know, I burn my phone up. You know, click refreshing the app Thursday to the Sunday yeah. during the golf season. So it's very enjoyable. And and I know, obviously, next week, speaking close to home, is the Corn Ferry's coming to Norman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at Jimmy Austin. You know, one of my favorite places in the world. I don't get there as much as I used to because of life and responsibility. And I live north now. But you know, a Corn Ferry event there in Norman. Uh, I think it's going to be fantastic. Um, I hope to get down there and watch and kind of see what they do to the sure. place. Yeah, skies are good. Yeah. You know, I know they're going to have Jimmy Austin set up. You know, it's going to be obviously in great shape and probably as hard as they can set it up. And I'm anxious to see what the scores are. So, yeah,
1: absolutely. What are a couple of questions you wish people would ask, but no one ever asked
0: you? Oh, man. Um, Questions that they don't ask that they wish they would ask me. Um, You wish they
1: would ask, but no one ever asked.
0: You know, I think it would be more so, and, and I'm a fan of Coach Saban. Um, Taylor knows this. A lot of my my friends know this. You know, he talks about the obvious and the non-obvious. And so some of the stuff that we've been able to talk about is the non-obvious. You know, the obvious, you know, in life or in sport, you coached, Kels, and you played golf at Oklahoma, and those are the obvious things that, that people identify with or they remember that he did this and he did that or he won this or he won that. Um, but the non-obvious stuff, like I said, as an example, my time at Oklahoma Christian, I was a coach. We won a national championship. I was a runner-up. We had All-Americans. We had a couple of kids go play D1. But I said, like, the non-obvious of it is what, what it did for me as a human, as a, as a young man, as a human being, what I learned from it. Like I said, I needed that place probably more than it needed me. I don't know if that would sound strange to somebody, but if they would, well, Kels, well why? You know, You know, growing up. I was always involved in sports. I had a, a girlfriend starting in ninth grade who was a basketball player that was a gym rat. Her family, they were basketball. And I was golf, but, but we dated and, and are still friends to this day. Um, she's married, has a daughter that I think 16 now. Crazy to think, but, you know, I was, I was very positively influenced by the way her family and, and her work ethic you know, and some of those non-obvious things on, you know, how did you get where you wanted to put the time into play golf, or why didn't you drink, or why didn't, you know, I didn't drink or do drugs growing up, and that was such a prevalent thing, because when you get into high school, the party scene starts and all those things, you know, and that it was obvious that I didn't, that I didn't, um, you know, my friends like, well, your your life must be perfect, you know, you don't drink, you don't mm. this, and, but... At the same time, I had to learn and go through painful events or painful times in a different manner, whether it was selfishness with my time, whether it was, you know, priorities, whether it was um, being self-absorbed with golf, because you want to be good at golf and you don't get good at golf sitting on the couch. So you've got (laughs) to put the time in. You've got to be away from wherever you are or and, and, you know, going through some of those things to where, you know, the obvious is what you see. From accomplishment accomplishment standpoint, yeah. but the non-obvious is what really really matters and what really really you know can dig at a person or where the real lessons are learned. Um, you know, Coach Saban says the the key to all victory is the organization organization of the non-obvious. You know, you look at Alabama and you know big stadium, they've won all this all this stuff, all the draft picks, but what do they do that other people don't do? Mm-hmm. You know. What do we not see on a weekly or daily basis in practice? or what does Taylor do? Well how, you know Taylor's played professional golf now seven years and each each year his career has gotten better. and you can see that, you can read about it. Uh, we obviously saw Sam's career rocket ship, you know injuries are unfortunately unfortunately are part of the game in the NFL yeah. and you know I hate it for Sam, it's part of it, you know yeah. but like with Taylor, you know, you know his career so far has been a rocket ship of improvement. Well I've been close enough with him as a as a friend and mentor and now as as you know a work situation to understand why and you see the obvious of trophies won or money won or endorsements or whatever it is but what you don't see is you know Taylor comes home from a seven you know seven day road trip or a 14 day road trip and he's in the gym the next morning at 6:30 a.m. Mm-hmm. you know it's it's not you know sleep till noon and you know, eat, eat a couple of pizzas and, and get to the golf course a couple of days later. So all those things that people don't see, like, you know, those are the what really make a person or athlete or a successful businessman, you know, to where it's what you don't see. You know, yeah. with sports, we see the weekends. We see, uh, you know, the guy hoisting the trophy on Sunday. The Nuggets most likely going to win this NBA title. But they put in a lot of work, mm. a lot of hours. You know, Kobe Bryant... May he rest in peace is still very prevalent on, yep. on social media on Instagram. And if you listen to some of his quotes or some of his teammates' quotes about his work ethic, the hours in the gym, I mean, it give you goosebumps, but most people um don't don't couldn't fathom that much commitment and yep. dedication to the craft. Cause Kobe Yes, he had a lot of talent, but talent alone didn't get him, sure. you know, to a top five or ten basketball player of all time and all the things that he did. And so um, you know, questions maybe about the non-obvious, the yeah. stuff that really, really, really matters, um, and also trying to go through all these things and these fortunate situations and treat people right, yeah. and be humble and give and help. You know, and that's that's very important to Taylor and his wife. It's important to me, and 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 the foundation, you know, kind of wraps that all up together, and we're able to do that, and I feel. Again I told you before we came on air. I don't know if I have the right words whether it's fortunate or blessed or favored or lucky. Yeah. All of it whatever all that is, you know, smash it up into one bowl of soup. That's that's what my life's been and that's how I feel. So fortunate. Obviously my wife Haley and I we have um two kids now and and that part of it is we probably don't have time for me to veer off into being a father and under, and what that's about and a husband and the teamwork and commitment and stress or mm-hmm. frustration at times. You know, all of it. It's sure. it's a it's a beautiful chaos. Uh, and, we, and we do own a small business, a gym in Edmond um, that my wife runs tirelessly, you know, seven days a week with a, a small gym, small business. What's the name of it? Uh, Body Language Gyms at okay. 150th and Penn in Edmond. But again, it, you know, going through that with her, I have a different appreciation for her and her work ethic, but also any small business I walk into, whether it's a restaurant or, a, you know, T-shirt shop or whatever it is, I have a whole new respect for small business owners. Yeah. Hats off to all of them out there if, if they're listening, because it's a it's an eight day a week deal. Yeah. And it's always something and it's not cheap and it's not easy. But, you know, uh, with our gym, you know, it's one of those things where it gives people a place to come where they can work on their health. They can build relationships, friendships. Um, and it's it, it's it's a lot of work but it, there's also a lot of you know gratitude in that because like sure. I said the obvious is we have a gym but the non-obvious is the community that's been built and the friendships and the support and a place where people can go and you know see a smiling face and be a part of a, a workout group or a boot camp or a workout to where it's you know family and community because you know that's it's not lost in this day and age but you know at times it feels like it is and yeah. so I'm so proud of my wife on that aspect because I always say it's our jam it's her operation so yeah. uh yeah that's so, awesome man. thank
1: you so of all these successes whether it's your national championship golf you play golf at ou sam bradford taylor gooch the foundation the gym the the non-obvious the common denominator is whom i'm speaking with across the table right now congratulations on that man I pre-
0: that's I, I, freaking awesome bro i appreciate that and you know for me Again, the obvious is I went to Oklahoma to play golf, but you know, that set up a stage for me to be able to develop friendships within college. And then on the golf team, my coach who got me to Oklahoma, Greg Gross, who coincidentally, the the week of live golf, I had a guy ask if Taylor and I would fly in a helicopter to the 6A state championship to Present, for Taylor to present the trophy to the winning team, an individual, which was great. you know that, That's what we did. So, of course, Taylor said, yes, let's do it. Well, I get a text right before we're about to get on the uh, helicopter from Cedar Ridge over to Bailey Ranch that Norman High won the, the team championship. Well, I, it hits me immediately that Greg Gross, my college coach who got me to Oklahoma, who gave me that pathway and platform and opportunity to go to Oklahoma to fulfill a dream of golf, of of going to football games and being around a school that I looked up to so much. Well, he was the coach at Norman High. You know, he retired from college golf coach, being a college golf coach. He runs the Golf Coaches Association of America out of Norman since then in 1999, 2000. And he also is the Norman High golf coach. So I'm about to get on this helicopter with Taylor and, and live golf's going on. And it's one of those deals where we get over there and I'm able to give Greg a hug, tell him how proud of him I am because, you know, on paper, they weren't the best team in the state, not even close. They were that week, though. I have to believe Greg was a big part of that, you know, and his team would probably tell you the same. But I got to give Greg a hug and, and tell him how proud of him I am, but also say thank you to him because I got to Oklahoma because of him. He gave me the opportunity. When I'm done with college golf, I'm at a junior clinic helping um, the, the shop staff, and I always like to give back and help a junior click is where I met Taylor. And so Taylor would tell you, Hey, I wouldn't be here without Kels. So I said, Greg, I wouldn't have been to Oklahoma without you. So Greg, you get all the credit. We wouldn't be here without you. <laughs> Cause if Taylor's not here without me, yeah. I'm not here without you. Right. It all goes back to Greg. And you know, there's so many times in my life since 1996, when I, when I went to play for Greg gross there into my playing career, coaching career, helping Sam, helping Taylor where I'll do something and I'll step away and, and well why is that important to me? Or why is this detail important to me? or you know why do I like you know a certain look on something we do for the foundation to be nice? And I, I think back on why I w- and it always goes back to Greg. I'm telling mm-hmm. you the guy was first class. we had everything we needed and then some. He did all the details. you know he, he, he paid attention. Um, he did everything and still does everything first class. And that's so, awesome. you know, Greg, that's the non-obvious of, again, I went to play for Greg at Oklahoma, but 25 years later, life lessons and, and, and following up with people or or giving an extra shirt or hat or mm. so many small things that Greg did all the time that I learned from him at the time, not knowing it, but I look back 25 years later and to have a mentor and a coach and a friend like that, Uh, that did things a certain way, you know, I learned so much from him. And so I got to give him a hug at the state championship. Taylor handed out the trophies. We took some pictures and it was a uh, kind of a full circle moment, if you will. Um, Never would have thought it was something we would do. You know, Live Golf was coming to Tulsa. Great. Our foundation event was going to be there. Great. And then one of the members at Cedar Ridge, Billy Lowry, who's uh, head of the board at Cedar Ridge that I grew up playing junior golf with, asked asked me to ask Taylor about doing that and of course he said yes and next thing I know we're flying in a, in a helicopter, <laughs> which was interesting. No doors, no windows. Um <laughs> over to to there to the six A state championship, which Norman High won. And what's even funnier is Coach Gross was the winning coach. And him being a diehard Oklahoma Sooner. Yeah. He's coaching the Norman Tigers that wear orange and or black. Yeah. And so that's kind of a running, you know, not joke, but it's 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 a um kind of a full circle moment again that Greg's coaching wearing orange and or black. Cause you know, he spent his whole career trying to beat coach holder and the OSU guys. So yeah, um, that's something right. we can laugh about for sure. That's
1: good stuff. How, how does Kelsey want to be remembered?
0: Oh man. Um, You know, it's something, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners have seen the Bo Jackson 30 for 30 and Bo Jackson gets asked that at the very end of his, the very end of his 30 for 30 documentary, which was fantastic. Mm. We all remember when he got hurt, I was watching the game, but you know, they asked Bo Jackson that at the end and he says, you know, what what, what do you want to what how do you want your tombstone to read, I think, or your mm-hmm. headstone. And he says, Here lies a ball player that that gave more than he took. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I won't consider myself a ball player. You know, golf is a sport, but you know, for me, I hope that anybody who's crossed my path all the while not being perfect, not always doing it right. You know, I've been through painful events and I've done things wrong and all those things. But You know, if someone said, man, what do you remember most about Kelsey? Um, Hopefully it's that, you know, that he was a giver, you know, simply, you know, Um, you know, to give more than you take, I think is, you know, part of a, you know, uh, how I believe as, as a Christian. And so, you know, being a giver, I hope that's that's what comes, you know, right to the top of people's minds that, you know, maybe went out of his way to do something extra or. You know, treating me in a way I wouldn't have thought he would have. You know, he did that for me, or that's something that he did that that I can remember. Maybe they learn from that, and they yeah. do that for somebody else. And so, you know, I want to go through how however long I have left to live. You know, being a great husband and father, and just to help as many people as I can. You know, in whatever manner that is. Right now, it's with golf and the the foundation and helping yeah. Taylor, and helping him helps people because of his platform. And so, to be in a situation and being you know fortunate or favored enough to to be in the situation i'm in um like I said, I don't take it lightly. I don't, I don't take it for granted, and it's something I hope I can do for for a long time. So that's awesome, man. Thank you.
1: It's been awesome sitting here across the table from greatness. Well, the non well, That's a lower, that's man.
0: a lowercase G.
1: If it is, oh, so man. thank you. It's good stuff. So, how do people follow you on social media, and how do the people get to your foundation website?
0: So, I, I don't do a lot. I don't do any social media other than Instagram, and I, I, I kind notice. of keep that that private with. <laughs> No one wants to see me. You know, I, I, I have my, my kids. It's kind of a, a picture book of my kids. Uh, Taylor Swing coach and a close friend of mine from college golf, Boyd Summerhays, has got three children that play golf. And, and he and I were talking, and he said, I use my Instagram kind of as a, as a catalog or a, you know, a, a, a memoir for my kids, and I've kind of taken that same mm-hmm. route. Uh, shout out to Boyd and his son Preston, who are at the U.S. Open this week. Preston will be a junior at uh, Arizona State. Boyd's caddying in for him this week at the U.S. Open. He got in in a playoff last week uh, in the in the sectional qualifying. So, and then his daughter Grace will be in the women's U.S. Open in July. She qualified as well. We go back to college golf. You know, Taylor's been working with Boyd a little over three years, and it's kind of a full circle moment as well. But our foundation is is at Taylor Gooch Foundation uh, on Instagram, and that will feed into the other other things and. You know, also our website is taylorgoochfoundation.org. Um, no why in Taylor. A lot of people send yeah. me emails and they don't get there because there's no why in Taylor. Um, so taylorgoochfoundation.org. Um, you can contact us through that, um, you know, whether it be gear or to donate or to, to, to uh, you know, updated news, all right yeah. there on the website. I'm a big fan of the gear, man. Thank you. Thank I appreciate you. it. Thank you so much for your time, for brother. For sure. All it. right. Thanks, coach. You got it. For more
1: Defining Moments podcast content, visit our webpage, www.undefeated.show. Follow us at Death Moments Pod on Twitter and at Defining Moments Podcast on Instagram.